0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit, who is complaining about it being 15 degrees in the morning up there at Agnes Waters in his fucking hoodie and his earmuffs slash headphones. Whereas we're down here in Melbourne braving it about six degrees at the minute. What's that, 1770? Oh, it's we're not talking golf today, mate. This is a mental health podcast. Yeah. Sort your shit out.
1: Just, it's just re- I'm repping and repping the local town. It's, um, did you say welcome, black everybody? Is that
0: a. I uh, didn't mean to, just my voice might have come out a bit funny. I definitely didn't mean to. All
1: right. Oh, it's just an interesting little. Uh... A, a little racism going on this morning You're talking about old oh, mate Wong, Wong beating you And then you're just Freudian slipping with um, some some African Americans Shout out to all our African American <laughs> listeners So I apologise on Ryan's behalf
0: Sorry, my Freudian slip Maybe I'm just born of feeling <laughs> welcoming today <coughs> You know You are the most welcoming person I know So that, that would definitely be I try case. my best <laughs> um, so the master series, it's, uh, it's your, over to you, Nico, for today. I have no idea, um, who we're going to talk about today. It's one of the things I like about this show. We don't do research on guests, you know, we don't really do any prep. Um, I think it's, I, I, I a few times I've been like, oh, I think we should do some prep for this. And then it ends up being even better without it because we start to discover things, a natural thought fresh. process. It is fresh. Yeah. It's I like organic.
1: It. Fresh and organic. It's like it's like going to the farmer's market and just seeing this these plums there with a, just a bluish hue to them, just glistening in the sun. Nice reference. They're just they're take just them straight fresh. to farmer's market. <laughs> Two plums for one. <laughs> no, let the boy watch.
0: <laughs> oh God! A few people will get that reference.
1: Yeah, they were. I watched those um, outtakes
0: about once a quarter and um, piss myself laughing
1: every time. <laughs> so before we before we dive into it, it's it's dragged on a while. Like this is it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. Why is that? What what's the what's what's been the hold up? What's been the delay? I was in Vietnam for a little bit. Oh back chasing the dong. I was, back, I was
0: back in the land of the dong.
1: You just you got a taste for the dong and you yeah. couldn't help yourself. And now you've got Melissa chasing the I've dong. I've got as her well. hooked
0: on the dong as well. She was already you trying do. to organize the trip for next year to Vietnam. So really? clearly loves the dong as well
1: goodness you it's just it's gone a little bit too far you two have just taken it that one step it's i don't know if it's your addictive nature or personality i know it's my addictive
0: personality that i was born with (laughs) and is genetic and then i can never get rid of it i'll have to manage it forever and i might try and take medication to try and deal with it that's what it'll be no doubt
1: wow you really just went there
0: i'm going to da dongs anonymous meetings from now on (laughs) Hi, my name's Ryan, and uh, I'm, addicted I'm addicted to dong. To
1: dong. Mm. <laughs> and this is this is my partner Melissa, and I've got I've, I've enabled her in in her addiction as well. Just a
0: bunch of Vietnamese people in the meeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! All right, yeah. So, how's Vietnam? What were you doing there? What was what was the case?
0: Yeah, we had a wonderful trip. We um. It was funny because uh those of listeners of the show know that myself and Nick, we went on a golf trip to Vietnam in February,
1: hey, maybe a few months
0: prior. Anyway, on with the story. And um <laughs> and uh, Melissa's been wanting to go to Vietnam for a while. So she's like, you know, you've gone with Nick, let's organize a trip. So we did it, we'd uh organized it as a holiday slash. We did a bit of business stuff, like we invited a couple of our students along. Um, who came, you know, one came from Canada. Well, that's a that's a big flight from uh, Canada to Vietnam. Yes. Um, So so props to Chessie for coming along. And um, we had a great time. We just basically did a, a tour. Melissa has a friend she went to TAFE with like 15, 20 years ago who's Vietnamese and he used to run tours. That was his job over there. So he kind of came out of retirement to uh, take us through a lot of Vietnam and, and we did a lot in a relatively short period of time. So... Um, we started off north in in Hui. It was a city up there, and then worked our way south. Went Hoi An, um, another place I can't remember the name, and Camran to finish. So we we're kind of working our way down in a in a bus to ourselves. And um, yeah, we did did heaps of stuff. Made cooking classes, lots of pagodas, temples, Buddha statues. We went to the uh, the the temple where Tit Nhat Han um, spent a lot of his time. So that was really cool to be able to be in amongst that. That's the
1: vibe there. Chill.
0: <laughs> like really chill <laughs> funnily enough um really really nice and um yeah, imagine we,
1: if you could put on some glasses and 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 see the metaphysical world and like vietnam's obviously got a uh, such a history um and the war obviously but then you've got the the buddhist side of it as well so I imagine seeing the energy like the different color energies. oh the contrast
0: yeah, the contrast mm. would be quite phenomenal. Obviously, all of yeah. the, the trauma and the atrocities and everything and yeah. then all, all of the beauty as well. And a lot of what Fee, uh, the tour guy was saying is, um, yeah, some of these, these monks, you know, there was one in one of the places we went and he would just sort of, you know, meditate on this mountain and um, help a lot of the local people in the local villages and towns and whatnot. And then the king or whatever is like, oh, he's doing great work, this monk, so we'll just give him the mountain. And so they, like, gave him the mountain and we're like, you know, what do you want to do here? And they built this huge Buddha statue, these massive temples, these places for monks to train and everything. And it's quite incredible that you'd, uh, you know, you just reward someone. So, yeah, this monk's doing some good meditating. Give him a mountain. <laughs> pay. I,
1: I, I didn't know where that was going to go, but in my head it started going, oh, and go, well, what the fuck am I going to do with a mountain? Yeah, um, uh, so. I have no attachments. <laughs> I have nothing, so it's not yeah. in my mountain. But it's yeah, interesting. he turned it into what he turned it into. Um,
0: but yeah, you're right. A lot of a lot of that trauma as well. Like you know, our tour guide as well, because he spent a, a lot of his life here and grew up here in Melbourne. And um, it's interesting because Vietnam's a communist country at the minute, mm. so it's quite. Mm-hmm when you're in the country, you don't pick up those vibes much at all. But when you're at, you know, airports and more official places, you kind of get that vibe a little bit more, you know, but he was saying, you know, very, very strong Vietnamese community, especially here in Melbourne. And a lot of them are, you know, don't want to go back because they have this idea of what Vietnam is and it's just really not what reality is. Like it's a beautiful oh. place with beautiful people and so much to do and see
1: and, yeah, lots, the- and lots
0: of dong that you've been missing out on. <laughs>
1: Dong Central. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on a communist vibe. Obviously, you see the red stars and the banners and flags and whatnot, but that, that was the only sort of thing that uh, that I felt. Um and do you remember
0: one place we went, do you remember a couple of times we went when we drove to the golf courses? We went past that marble mountain. Yeah. And and they pointed out. So we went there when we were on the way to Hoi An and um got to sort of go in there and, and go through all the caves and everything and um it was bloody beautiful, although I had to carry Tommy on my shoulders from <laughs> up a mountain and down. But that was that was a good workout. Oh,
1: what, a, what a what a what a weak child you've you've created. Yeah, just, just, I'm just like, a a, when thing. are
0: you going to carry me? Oh, no, not yet. Fair yeah. no, <laughs> <sure> enough.
1: Bloody <laughs> <I'm only> four. <laughs> Maybe we could uh be sponsored by the Vietnamese tourism industry or something. Um, yep. And, and, yeah, so Shady, I don't see uh, why not. Yeah, that's I'm a not. Vietnam Airlines.
0: Yeah, surely someone who's connected to Vietnam tourism is listening to the show, and mm. um, you know, just get in touch with the powers that be and reach out to us.
1: That would be us, where the powers that be,
0: no, no, of the Vietnam tourism. Oh, you know, right. The yeah, head, yeah. and then and then re- yeah. your people speak to our people, and we'll start, you know, speaking about Dong and Vietnam in the same way, but we'll get some sort of oh. kickback for it, preferably <laughs> Dong, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Sponsored golf trips. Um, very interesting segue because today's master I can reveal is Victor Frankel. Oh, Victor, Victor Frankel. So it's an interesting segue because for those that aren't familiar, uh, Victor Frankel was a um Jewish psychiatrist living in Germany uh, when when World War Two came about and Hitler came into to power. Um, I think it's it's been documented that that um, Hitler wasn't a fan of Jewish community. So um, yeah, uh, the rest is history, and and Victor survived. Um, Couple of different concentration camps. Um, he and his sister survived. Every all the rest of his family were killed. All their possessions taken. And um, so it's interesting. We start talking about the Vietnam and the 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 trauma um, that existed there, and then you know we're talking about Viktor Frankl, who and it's 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 one of those conversations which some people struggle with obviously it's, it's a very sensitive topic for people um but when we talk about operating simultaneously on different levels it's so beneficial to us as humans so on one level on a surface level it was an atrocity and i've spoken about this before um, on the show and, and and you wouldn't want it or wish it or or anything um, but on another level so it was wrong on that surface of it. It was bad. If you're looking at it through the binary lenses, it, it was terrible. But if you go underneath that, it, it's not good or bad. It just it just was. It was, it, it was just part of existence. Um, and so much has come out of that. So much, you know, Viktor Frankl's work is one example where it's spread so much positivity and, and so much light and done so much healing in the world and helped so many millions of people. So, you know, on one hand, millions were, were, were killed and, and millions more affected by that. And then, but on the other and millions of, have been helped and, and through this one man going through that experience. So it's it's such a such a paradox. It's such a, an interesting thing to sit with.
0: It's like we spoke, uh mentioned Titnut Hahn and one of his famous quotes uh is, you know, there's no lotus flower without the mud. It's mm. like that lotus flower grows out of the mud, one needs the other, and, and they kind of balance out. At the end of the day, you know, I've got and-
1: I've got some work to do because my my <laughs> I hadn't heard that, but I I said to a client once, you can't have the dog without dog shit, so it's not quite as elegant as as titan at arm, but um- I,
0: don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind. i working that, on it. Keep- Someone might be <laughs> quoting you in a hundred years time with that. There might be one very profound wisdom.
1: Can't have the dog without dog shit. (laughs) Sips. Go and meditate on that for a month and come back to it. Yeah, hold some dog shit and just meditate Mm. with that. (laughs) Um,
0: So, yeah, Viktor Frankl, uh, for those who haven't read the book, Man's Search for Meaning, where he talks about his experience in there. I read it. It's been many years now um that I read it but um yeah f- from him being having that background of psychology and everything and then obviously being thrown into this situation what i remember reading in that book is initially he was looking at everybody you know over a period of months in these concentration camps which like you said are just terrible circumstances they're horrible mm. and then he would see certain people um contracting really withering up and you know a lot of them he saw you know die and they would literally you know, not be able to get up and walk and whatnot. And then he would see other people who had kind of this ability to, to keep moving forward. And he uh, being, I suppose, you know, that psychiatrist and being used to watching people and trying to understand their processes, he was like, well, what's, what's the difference here? What's going on? And he was sort of came to the conclusion that it was people's attitude and the meaning they give to a situation, which will dictate the outcomes that they get. Um, I was trying to find the actual quote here. It's probably his most famous one. I've got,
1: I've got, I've got a heap of them. So it's, yep. it's my show. Can I, can I, can I run through them for you, or Absolute, do you want to mate, really run
0: just... through them, mate? Go you,
1: for you it. You don't want to take over. You, I'd rather I mean... not,
0: to be honest. <laughs> just I sometimes feel like I'm babysitting on this show, so I just it's a natural reaction.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be your controlling tendencies as well, but, quite possibly. Um, hey. <laughs> so uh, you should have seen sorry
0: sorry just about the controlling tendencies you should have seen the first time that we did the auto drive on the tesla Mm. i was fucking freaking out like melissa was (laughs) in the car with me and my controlling part was so active um anyway we'll we'll talk about that on another show my controlling part (laughs) we'll definitely do it we'll do it on the next episode and we have to do it then all right
1: (laughs) you finished yet yeah, I am. I am, yeah. yeah. Good. All right. So he was around at the same time as Freud and Adler and, and sort of the, the start of the psychology movement. So there's sort of a couple of different schools. Um, so his was sort of the third school. Um, uh, and and so he, he his, his modality, um, the framework that he created, was logotherapy. So the principles of that are basically that life has meaning under all circumstances, even the most miserable ones. So, you know, he's is in is in concentration camps looking at all the suffering around him. And as you said, looking at some people who were just dwindling and uh other people who obviously weren't flourishing, but they were 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 still the fire hadn't gone out in them.
0: Something, something was moving them forward. Something was yeah. giving them, giving them the energy to keep getting up and doing the horrible work and doing eating all the gruel and that kind of shit. Something was moving them forward.
1: Yeah. So another principle is our main motivation for living is our will to find meaning in life, uh, and that we have freedom to find meaning in what we do and what we experience, or at least in the stance we take. When faced with a situation of unchangeable suffering, we, we so many people, so so that's <clears throat> fundamentally, he's he's talking about we are the executive decision makers. We we get to choose. There's all this stimulus out there, all this um, the, these experiences occurring. Life is happening, and we've got a set of filters that we're gonna. Process that through, and it's going to start forming beliefs, and, and those beliefs create our perception, which creates our reality. So he's he's really saying, choose your reality. Um, find, don't apply meaning to it, but find the meaning in it. And so many people get caught in the trap of applying meaning. Oh, this is happening, and that means that we're never going to get out of here, or that means that that person's terrible. That means, and and they create this very unhealthy, unhelpful, destructive narrative around their circumstances where you can be in a world of hurt and you can still find a sense of meaning. What, in in mind fit we talk about constructive and destructive paths and, and it's the I can versus the I can't. So instead of falling down into that I can't believe this is happening, I can't believe that's here, it's like, I can believe this is happening because it happens as it, it, part of our existence. So, what can I do under these circumstances? What can I apply myself to? How can I make the most of this? It's not ideal. I'm not, I didn't choose for this to to be occurring, but it's it's here. It's it's before me, and it's very stoic and and Buddhist as well. It's it's that um, you know, the obstacle is the way. It's it's like. Um, you know it's here i've got to deal with it and, and, and attend to it so it's
0: like what's this trying to teach me or how am i going to grow from this challenge as opposed yeah, it's to an opp-
1: it's an opportunity instead mm. of something to just really think that this shouldn't be happening like that's that's so unrealistic it's just this yeah. shouldn't be happening it's According to whom? Like, uh, what? what? Yeah. And it feels,
0: it feels so. It's very irrational to say this shouldn't be happening. It's kind of the definition of irrationality because it is happening. (laughs) And so we're automatically uh, wrestling with reality (coughs) in that moment. And then it makes logical sense, like you said, to go, well, therefore, it's like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, this relationship's not working out. Therefore, I'm always going to have trouble in relationships moving forward. And that feels like a very logical step. But kind of that's where the work is, at that first step where we're at at odds with what's happening, and the second step is this therefore statement that we jump to. The mind just jumps to very, very automatically. And so we kind of – we don't realize – It's
1: it's painting a future. It's painting a picture of what the future is going to look like, but the future doesn't exist yet. But then it
0: becomes a self-perpetuating loop because then – I carry that forward and it happens again and then it reinforces that meaning that I gave the previous thing and you can see how like a snowball running down the hill and getting bigger. And so we've got to stop that snowball and start to give a different meaning to different things. And there's also not just, I suppose, giving a meaning to a situation that isn't beneficial for us. Um, then there's also the path of just giving nothing meaning at all, which is, I suppose, nihilism. You know, and mm. I've I've been down that road a few times because neither the, the fact that there's no meaning, there's nothing before, nothing after, and nothing really matters, that actually makes the most logical sense of what this world is. However, mm. to view the world through that lens is quite terrible. It's insanely depressing <laughs> to view the world through that lens, whereas nothing matters and there's no meaning to any situation. So I suppose, you know, what Victor would talk about is, you know, okay, we've got to Choose the reality that we want to live. We want to choose the attitude that we want to take towards life and the circumstances that come along with life. And that's up to us. That's our work, no matter how shitty we kind of feel like a situation is in the moment. You know, and I encourage listeners to look back at their, you know, quote unquote suffering from their past and go, you know, does it serve me to give that meaning or to give it no meaning? And I know for me, it's like, well, if I gave my addiction no meaning, you know, then that's. I don't gain anything from that or have the ability to help other people in a similar situation, whereas I give it the meaning that that was meant to happen, I was meant to go through that to be where I am now, then all of a sudden I start to feel more empowered and more solid as a human being.
1: I think of it like a spectrum, no meaning and all the meaning. They're both equally unhelpful, so it's finding that balance in that middle and you know, we've all got past versions of us who were, were in certain experiences and, and whatever. And you know when I talk when I used to talk about my childhood it was like I had a bad childhood but but I heard how how that just wasn't correct it just wasn't true. I had a childhood which had moments filled with love and joy and, and kindness and care and all that stuff and I had moments in my childhood where it wasn't very pleasant. Um, the you know, it's very typical for someone to go through an experience like the, what I went through in the army and to come out and say, oh, that was fucked, that shouldn't have happened, they shouldn't have done that. Um, that, that, was a, that was a really traumatic, terrible experience. But when I speak of it now, it's like there was a version of me, so I'm not talking about the current I, it's a past version of me, so there's that separation from it. There was a version of me who existed at a time and went through something in which he didn't have the, the skills to manage himself um, or to process that experience in any other way than he did and was subsequently affected by it. And it, it took him eight years to, to find the value in that experience and, and that's the mud and to become the lotus. Um, so it's only bad if you don't find the Inverted commas, good. Yeah, it stays bad, and you keep painting that picture and that narrative. If it was bad, until you find the value in it, and then it, it's balanced out, and then it's not good or bad. It just is. So, I just had a childhood. I had a an army experience. Yeah,
0: um, we had. Well, it so- reminded me of some people who I hear a lot from people who come in to see us or, or students <laughs> and whatnot. And it's so funny because I think mean, you can tell us this automatic you know, this pattern, it's kind of a pattern we're talking about of thought. And it's like, like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so glad I found this information. This is like gold. Oh my God. Then they automatically go, I can't believe it's taken me this long. God's sake. I'm like (laughs) 43. (laughs) I wish I found this when I was 20. It's like, it's like you're digging, like literally digging for actual gold and you find gold and go, Oh, it's too late. I shouldn't have found it now. I'll put it back where it was.
1: Where was this years ago? Oh, this is fucked. It's he, like you've got gold. gold. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but they can't because of the conditioning. So when when not I- that an
0: important point, though? Isn't that an important point? With that conditioning, we won't enjoy anything. You know what I mean? This, this is the ego construct that we but, talk about in nearly every episode.
1: And, and, you know, so when I, was, when I was creating MindFit and the framework for it and, you know, I've taken some logo therapy and there's a lot of Viktor Frankl in here and there's a lot of Buddha and there's a lot of Socrates and the Stoics and and there's William Glasser and, and Choice Theory and Reality Therapy and there's lots of different bits and pieces in here and there's, there's a lot of Nick Sutherland in here and... It's, it's it's when people come into contact with this, so many of them, go, oh, I wish I'd have, come, I wish I'd have known this years ago. My life would have been very different. And I'm like, can you hear that distortion right there? Can you can you hear that desire for things to be different to how they were? And, oh, right. And it's so simple to to reflect and reveal it. And then we get to talk about conditioning. So then we talk about Viktor Frankl and and. Uh, you know, is he, his. I think the 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 biggest part of his work was when he said that everything can be taken from a person. So imagine, you know, you you you're living peacefully in a house with family and loved ones, and you get a job and a wife and all these things, and and suddenly an army comes in and takes you and puts you in jail or in a concentration camp in atrocious conditions. So you've lost your house, you've lost all your possessions, you don't know where your family is. Um, and so everything can be taken from a person, but the last of our human freedom freedoms to choose how we feel in any given situation. Imagine the strength that it takes. And and that's. once I need to preface this um, by saying, Everything's good in theory, but it's much difficult, much more difficult in reality. Right? So, reality doesn't have, uh, theory doesn't have a human mind. So, what Victor Frankl talking about is, is wonderful, and it's it's uh, it's so fantastic to operate in that way. And it's very simple. It's difficult. It's simple to be happy, but it's difficult to be simple. It's so challenging. This is a daily daily work that we do and hardly anyone attains it. I, I don't know anyone really who is in this consistent or constant state of choosing how they feel in any given situation. So it's probably unattainable, but it's still worth trying to attain.
0: But you kind of are attaining it, getting it right a certain amount of the time. It's, well, to the same degree. Yeah, it's not
1: black or white. it's, that's it's right. It's, it's, a, it's on a sliding scale. So... If you are not making any executive decisions, you're a zero, and then you, you start hearing that we can make these executive decisions. We can start choosing how we feel about things, um, and finding valuable meaning in them, not just applying meaning to them. And we start moving up that scale, and you get to a one, and then a two, and then a three, and so that's that's where doing the work is. But he he broke that he broke that down into, and in between stimulus and response is a space. So something happens and then we have a response to it. But there's this space in between that. And in that space lies their power to choose and in that choice lies our freedom. Ah, and, and, and hardly anyone's free. You know, they, they think that they're physically free or financially free because they've got a big bank account or whatever, but it's not freedom in that context. It's free to choose how you think and how you feel. That's, that's fundamentally what it is. And so I heard that, and I'm like, once again, that's wonderful. That's that's pivotal. Let's let's put that there and let's try and attain that. But then I also decided to make things a bit more realistic. And and you know, a mindful, conscious, deliberate response is, is so powerful and, and and wonderful, but hardly anyone does that. And it's human nature is is affecting that. So instead of there being stimulus space and response. What generally happens is the stimulus is the same, but then we react, we get triggered, and we're not making that executive decision. And then we find ourselves in that space, and in that space we're not finding our power to choose and in that choice finding our freedom. We're going into suffering and dwelling, marinating, soaking in that. You know, it's probably just compounding it over and over again. So very similar, but very, very, very different things going on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, we're never going to get it perfect and theory is always easier than practicality. But the reason why Viktor Frankl's message has resonated with so many people and is so powerful is because if he was just a psychiatrist who, you know, worked with a few clients and did some lectures at a university and spoke about a lot of these principles, people would go, oh, yeah, cool, that sounds great. But as soon as someone finds out that he went through a concentration camp and applied these principles in real life then all of a sudden everyone it gives such credibility and validity to what he's saying because it's not just theory. He speaks about in very much detail how he applied it to what many people would describe as one of the worst uh, situations a human being could go through You know, in, in recent history.
1: I was chatting just last night with a client about this. Mm-hmm. This client's studying and um, <clears throat> we we're discussing him coming on board and being a practitioner um, in in very near future and <clears throat> we spoke about the the difference between a lived experience practitioner and a clinically trained practitioner and freud you know clinically trained and and or, or you know very intellectual very up here with it but victor frankel went through the experiences and learned through those experiences and was forged through those experiences. And this all came out of him from those experiences. He didn't conjure or create it out of thin air or anything. So when when you and I and, and other lived experience practitioners are talking, I can say to a client, you're being a dick. And, and they go, ah, oh, yeah, right. And, and, they're not affected by that. Where if a clinical psychiatrist said to a client, "Oh, I'm, and you're being a dick," that, that would that would that would be it comes taken across very, very different.
0: Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, the, because they know, there's that No judgment. Yeah, there's no yeah. judgment, and they know else. that you've been a dick before, and you're not trying to hide the fact that you've been a dick before.
1: I'm, going, a, I'm actually celebrating. It going, hey, you're being a dick. Yeah, It's been revealed. Yay! Right. Now we've got the awareness that it's there. Let's 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 do something about it. Let's do something with it, and let's have a laugh and, and move forward. Um, so, well, um, I said something to I was getting a tattoo the other day, and um,
0: finally getting my name about bloody time, mate.
1: I did. I got I got a portrait of your face right on my butt cheek, and um, <laughs> oh dear. and. Uh, and so I was going to tell her, and a lovely, lovely lady. Um, I had a great time and, and three hours of just, just a, a great conversation. Um, and I don't know how it came up, but, but uh, oh, because in her um, line of work, obviously, people open up. You've got three, four, five. Hours with this person, so people start. Yeah, you know, she said so interesting. She doesn't really say much. She, there's just this space there, and people fill the space with their stories. And um, and so something came up, and I said, "Yeah," well, I started talking about work, and I said Victor Frankl. You know, said that um, those that have no meaning in life distract themselves with pleasure. And she she put the tattoo machine down. And she was like, "Oh," her mind was just blowing for about. Five or ten seconds, and it was so fun to watch. And she's just going, "That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard." And and yeah, I was just sitting there going, "Wow, that's that's quite a reaction to that." Um, and well, it's a powerful
0: spotting. statement. It's a powerful statement, and it's what most of us are doing is trying to find but, the next pleasure.
1: But it's true. This is this is the the stuff. With the the thing with all this the, the, that we're discussing, it is just truth. It is is logic, and it's and why it landed so hard for her because her mum was an is a, is an alcoholic, and her dad was a heroin addict, and and she's had her own struggles and everything, and it just all clicked for her, and and she suddenly went, my mum, my mum's just on a pension, and she has nothing to do all day. She's just bored, and so she just. Ah, oh, she's just finding pleasure um, because she's in pain, and there's those external coping mechanisms that we all turn to in times of distress um, or, or unease. But when we start doing the, this work, we start—we we're suddenly we're not—we're not sticking band-aids on the symptoms and and, and getting a, a instant gratification quick fix. This is this is clients turn up in suffering. And instead of giving them a coping mechanism, I give them a nugget of truth or some wisdom or something of value that's going to empower them and they're going to change the way they feel internally. And, you know, this is why we're talking about the masters because there's so many different paths up the mountain, but it's about finding what lands for you, finding what resonates with you. And, and, you know, Viktor Frankl's stuff resonates with Nearly everyone because it is so so simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're making me think of uh the elderly people and you know my grandparents, and I've seen it so many times. Um, obviously people of that era grew up in a very, very different time. But you know, I would watch both of my grandmothers, oh god, I've seen this so many times, but you know, their husband dies, and all of a sudden this person who is switched on, you know, always doing something, you know, has motivation and all that. Uh, starts to deteriorate very, very, very quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. And I watch, you know, I watch one of my nan. As soon as my pop, died. use it or lose it. Yeah, like so, she lost her meaning, and now I'm saying it's a different time because women should their meaning just shouldn't be their fucking partner. They should have other stuff going on. No, but but the, as soon we, as we, that, if, so the meaning women, went away. Go. You
1: no, know, women's women's. their identity is fully wrapped up in their children and, and they, they, they get empty nest syndrome when, when the kids move out and they really struggle because they're that co- and the kids have moved away. So, um, but for men, it's exactly the same, but with their work. So when they have no meaning, I don't, I don't have kids to get up and, and look after. I don't have work to go do as soon as there's no meaning. That's where we start to deteriorate and and fall down. I think that's really what you you're witnessing.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh you can call it you know empty nest syndrome, but it's just it's a person becoming depressed because they've lost yeah. their, their meaning and, and part of their identity. And you know I watched my nan, one of them after my pop died, and just straight away just uh, started losing it mentally. Uh, all she wanted to do was go to the poker machines every day and. I watched her. She get um, cr- battered calamari and just eat the batter off from the outside and leave all the calamari on the plate. So it's like just getting through the day with these little simple pleasures. Wow. Exactly what that quote that you told the the, the lady giving you the tattoo is that wow. as soon as we lose that meaning, we will we will just chase pleasures and chasing pleasures is futile. Wow. I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but it was the ancient Romans who had all the opulence in the world, the the elites of the Roman culture. And so, all they were doing, they had all the resources at their disposal. They could do whatever they want. So, what did they do? They did, The ones who didn't have meaning chased pleasure. And so, they would sleep with all the women that they want, do the drugs, alcohol, then that wasn't enough. And then it was three women at a time and all this. And it got to the point where they had hit the pleasure button so often, they were starting to hurt and even sacrifice women and, all, and men and all these other things just trying to chase the pursuit of pleasure. So, it's a futile effort it doesn't lead anywhere positive. It just gets darker and darker and darker. But somebody in that culture as well, (laughs) you talk talk about a lot, Marcus Aurelius, you know, he had meaning. He's like, I'm the most powerful man on the planet, but in service to that, I'm going to keep myself level-headed and make sure that I check my ego on a daily and a moment-to-moment basis so I can be a great leader. It wasn't about
1: him. It wasn't about him. It was about the people. Were all those people having orgies and just getting... It was about them.
0: Yeah,
1: just totally. Them. Yeah. But my I'm 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 witnessing it with my grandfather right now. He mm-hmm. was with my grandma for 70 years. She passed away late last year. And I've just seen him and and, and Mum actually said he's asked her, Can I just, can I be euthanized? Can I can can I just be put down? He's got, you know, he's just going through the emotions. He's he's going to bowls and he's going to this and he's going to footy and doing that. But you know, he was the he was the most one-eyed Essendon supporter and would ride the, the Essendon roller coaster like no one else. And he's gone to footy games. We beat Richmond by a point. It was a, a classic game. And he just sat there and was like, oh, oh, we won. And I, oh, I was just my heart broke. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's he's not even he's not even existing. You know, he's not here anymore. So yeah. There's a, a yeah. It's terrible. We'll go through some quotes. So, um, life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Alfred Adler believe, taught, but a quest for meaning. So, um,
0: Freud was addicted to cocaine. Let's be let's be serious. About <laughs> that. He's had he's had a massive um, impact on uh, the whole area of psychology obviously huge probably one of the biggest figures but he was a, he was addicted to lighter yeah,
1: but but a lot of it is being undone now as well like it served oh, as absolutely initially but now people are starting to go actually is that yeah. really yeah. does everyone want to have sex
0: doing? with their mum? are you sure yeah, yeah
1: yeah um when we are no longer able to change a situation we are challenged to change ourselves
0: yeah, uh, that, that reminds me of a quote I heard. I think it was Dan Hardy. He said, um, when you change the way you look at a situation, the situation changes. Mm. Yeah, so yep. very similar lines. Yeah, I love it.
1: Th- those who have a while to live can bear with almost any how. Mm. Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued, it must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. (laughs) I need to unpack that. Uh, Hang on, it keeps going. Happiness must happen, and the same holds for success. You have to let it happen not by caring about it. I want you to listen to what your conscious commands you to do and go on to carry it out to the best of your knowledge. Then you will live to see that in the long run, in the long run, I say, success will follow you precisely because you had forgotten to think about it. Awesome.
0: Mm. I'm just I'm just trying to understand what you know what exactly he means by success and whatnot, you know. obviously, if we have meaning, yeah, if if we we have business,
1: so you and you and I are running businesses, they're successful businesses, but the success isn't because we're sitting here going, how rich can we be and how many things can I buy and how can I make my life better? It's like how can we be of service? How can we help others? How can we reduce all the suffering that's in the world? How can we empower people? So ultimately, whatever success, you know, and I get so much joy, I know that as soon as I start making things about me, I, I become unhappy. It's 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 clear as day to me. As soon as I get caught up in ego and um, what can I what do I want? It's, it's, it just falls on its ass. It's, and it's great because I go, fuck, that's right. It's not about me. It's about everyone else. I'm so just- do you
0: think he means personal success? Cause it's like, <coughs> let's say that, you know, uh, you know, I have a, cause I'm thinking of like a goal, right? And so people think, well, if I have a goal and I achieve a goal, then I'll be a success. And that's what I feel. And so let's say that my goal is to, you know, be in service of people, you know, mm. and then, so, uh, I'm just trying to get it because the way I see it is that there's nothing wrong with desire. I have no problem with desire. But if I'm attached to that desire being fulfilled, then I start to run into problems. Because, you know, if I have meaning and I'm in service with something, I have a goal or I'm working towards something, but I'm well, not attached to the fact everyone that- has
1: a desire. Everyone had a desire. Essentially, you and I are doing this in the service of others, but essentially, it's what's in this for me. What can I get out of it? I want well, because, to be happy. Yeah, I want well, to get. I want to be happy, and I, I become happy by helping other people. So that's right. Yeah, it's 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 still about us, and we we do have these desires, but but for us, they're goals. They're not expectations. There is no attachment to them. It's and and, and the desire isn't to. Um, feed the ego the desire is to feed our soul and so when we're coming at it from let's feed our soul and 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 be of service to humanity and 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 the animal kingdom or whatever um that's a completely different experience to i want to feed my ego yeah yeah okay here I, i love this one an abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behaviour. And I love that because clients come in and they go, oh, and this is happening, that's happening. I'm like, great, you're doing great with it. Oh, no, but I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And I'm like, I'd I'd be concerned if you weren't feeling that. And they're like, what? Oh, but I don't want to feel this. I'm like, well, there's your problem. The, the, The thing that's occurring isn't your problem. Your aversion to feeling the way that you're feeling is the problem. You're having a very... Normal reaction because it's an abnormal situation. So your feelings towards it are big and abnormal feelings, but that's perfectly normal. And oh, so there's nothing wrong with me. I'm like, sorry, no. So <laughs> sorry. I hate to break it to you.
0: Uh, no, I heard, I heard that uh, many years ago, like uh, a lot of mental illness and everything described as a natural adaptation to very unnatural circumstances. And they can both be individual circumstances um and also you know we live in a society now that that's why there's no lack of work for people like me and you and people in the industry is because there's so many people struggling with things at the minute and so there's very much circumstances that lead to outcomes that are very natural you know so someone who's like You know comes in who i would see with you know drug addiction and just trying to numb themselves 24 7 yet they were molested from the ages of 5 to 10 and you know homeless from the age of 12 onwards and like something's wrong with me it's like no they're not man it's like that's a very natural adaptation to all the shit that you've been through um so then there's part of them that like wants something to be wrong with them so it's breaking that there's also a part of them that feels a lot of release of shame then that it's like, oh, no wonder I'm in the situation that I'm in. You know, I can actually let go of Because a letting go of shame is oftentimes a first step to, to, to the work that we do.
1: But the letting go of shame is is done by owning it entirely. And owning it means fully accepting that it's in existence without preferring it to be different than how it is. It's very Buddhist in its, in its core. So it's here... And instead of having an aversion to it existing or a desire for it to to not exist, I'm just going to go into this unconditional full acceptance and own it and embrace it. Once again, it was so weird. I was just talking last night again with with this client and about that he's he's doing his studies and we're talking about um, developing him as a practitioner or whatever, and I said I I think that the greatest way to hear someone is just to listen and love them. And when you just sit there and you in a room with a person in your heart space and and just just love them entirely, it gives them permission to start loving themselves entirely it gives them permission to, to love their partners entirely or their circumstances entirely. We don't have to like it, but it's important to love love it all because you know once again the stoic philosophy a more I love of fate love everything that's happening you don't get hung up on wanting only the good stuff and not wanting the unpleasant stuff it's you gotta love it all man and, and unless yeah. you own it all entirely and equally and completely you, you're gonna you're gonna be up against it so yeah
0: that's one of the things that, that that we teach before we even get into like frameworks and techniques it's like we have the orientation of if we're in front of a client, then it's all of you is welcome here. There's no parts of you that you have to hide. There's no parts that you have to overexpress because us human beings are going around in our day-to-day life trying to be someone else or trying to hide certain parts of us that we feel shameful of or embarrassed of. So like you said, if I can sit in a room with somebody where I'm sensing zero judgment and complete acceptance and any part of me can come up, just that, just that, is so incredibly healing as opposed to all the other techniques and frameworks and all that which can come later
1: i, I love uh, the, one of the most um profound questions i think i can ask the, the the question that has the most impact with a client is what would you prefer to be happening and Oh, they're very quick to to start releasing their dialogue of, of what they would prefer to be happening. And I sit there and let them let them run with it for 10, 20 seconds, and I go, all oh, right, pull up. Can you can you hear what's going on here? You are not you're not in the reality of what is, you are now in the reality of what should, could or would ideally be happening. And that really, really does doesn't exist. It and doesn't let, exist let me
0: guess, everyone else has changed in that reality. <laughs>
1: Mm. yeah, yeah. yeah it's all—it's yeah—it's all manipulated to be what their ego considers to be perfect, and and which is everyone all, you know, else actions. changing,
0: everyone else yeah. in circumstances changing, not them.
1: <laughs> it's it's just it's. I, I I was very overcomplicated at one point in my life. I was very analytical, very deep, very in it all, and and that didn't serve me or anyone else well. So thankfully. I don't think i've gone to the other end of the spectrum but i found within myself this balance and and to keep things very simple because if you if you try and remember it all or know it all and 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 then show people how much you know um it it just once in you're making it about you you're not serving the client there you're serving your ego so just just keep it simple and And I think clients prefer that as well. It's, you know, when we we talk about this stuff uh, um, and and just offer it and it's so simple and you hold it up in in a certain way and it, comes into contact with their irrational belief system and their and their ego and their ego is like getting holy water sprinkled on a vampire. It's just like ah, and it recedes, <laughs> <laughs> and it does. And you watch it recede. And it happened last night. This client's going, I'm getting very frustrated with you, Nick. And I said, yeah, yeah, I can tell because I'm not giving you what you want. So I'm not enabling you to stay in your shitty pity party. I've I've listened to you, and I'm I'm definitely um empathic to to what you've got going on but what you need is for me to hold you here and not let you go down there and his ego was really struggling it finally surrendered and he came back around and he's like yeah thanks thanks for, thanks for doing that and I'm like that's all right that's why we're here and yeah uh, you know, and it was, it was just a beautiful moment but' um, once again, that can only occur because oh we've been through it I think we've got that. I said to this client last night, we've got a, a different, um, uh, it's not a not a different authority, but a, not authority and I have a power over you, but it's a different authority in terms of, I, I can work in a certain way and you can work in a certain way because of that experience and because of, of that, you know, um, we have being there, done it, we know what to do, but we know what not to do sort of mm-hmm. thing. So,
0: yeah, we know we know what we uh, needed to hear at a certain point, not what we wanted to hear.
1: Yeah. So then it's yeah. like
0: you know, because the very few people have people in their life that will have difficult conversations with them that are actually beneficial for them, but will challenge them in the moment.
1: It's only challenging for the ego, though. The, it's, yeah. it's so so weird. Underneath it, their heart their heart is really appreciating it. Their 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 soul is going, oh, this is wonderful. I'm so thankful. But there's an ego between what we're saying and that soul, and the ego is going, This is fucked. Why don't you just enable? Why don't you just agree with me? Why? That's the funniest. Why don't you just agree with me? I'm like, Please. Because you're being a dick, because you're, you're <laughs> being so irrational. I'm not going to join you on that adventure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we'll know it as well for the listeners, like, even just not just in a therapy context, but just, you know, being around people in your life, you know, when you're around those people where, you can let the defences down and don't feel like you have to be anyone else. Just how nice that feels, you know, being in that presence. You know, mm. that's why. That's why it's like, you know, let's say I'm going into the the head boss for a you know review, you know, or something, and head then boss. later on, you know, <laughs> I clearly haven't worked in an organisation
1: in a while. <laughs> Take me to the head boss.
0: Oh, I have your head. What voice.
1: position? What position are you applying for? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm here for the head boss position.
0: Yeah. I'm here for the CEO, but I'd rather call it the head boss, please. would <laughs> be awesome. I'm that's just picturing so Tommy true.
1: Tommy walking in. I'm going. I'm here to be the head boss. <laughs> just <that's> such a. <laughs>
0: Take me to your head boss. Um, you wouldn't want to be in the wrong office, um, and so. The fuck was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, you go and sit the head boss for a promotional review, but then later on, you know, you're catching up with your mate that you've been mates with for the last 25 years to hang out and, you know, watch the footy. And it's like, in both situations, you're just going to sit with a human being. There's nothing inherently wrong or right with it, but your actual bodily reaction and mind reaction of being in that situation is incredibly different <laughs> Because you're trying to be someone in a certain situation and trying to hold something together and get approval. Whereas the other situation, your defenses are down and you feel like you can just be yourself. And Mm -hmm. so, a lot of this, you know, work that we do and as we move along the path, we just tend to feel more and more like we can just be ourselves and there's no effort required to hold something together in more situations to certain degrees,
1: I just want to clarify: when you say be ourselves, that's that's not being the ego. The only time we get defensive is when the ego is trying to defend itself, when it's trying to be loved and liked and be seen as perfect. Or so the wall, the walls only. The heart doesn't need defenses. The heart is unbreakable. In terms of, it'll break over and over and over, but every time it breaks, it, it just it's just spilling love. So the, the heart is, you can't. Uh, it's it's just it's, it's the heart's okay. It's it's the ego that, that gets butt hurt so much, and it's just like it it's someone that gets offended. It's the one that doesn't like that someone has a different opinion or a different viewpoint or or whatever. And so,
0: yeah, it's okay. So if you want to look at it that way, there's just different dimensions of being. So let's say none of them are the I. Let's call the eye something different or or ourselves. Then it's like, well, entering more and more interactions and situations. I would like to be in the dimension of my heart, as opposed to the dimension of my ego, because that is where most people spend most of the time.
1: Yeah, I, I when I when I when I'm in the presence of, of you or. Dan, Dan's a classic one. Dan, Dan and I can have the most amazing conversations, and at no point is there any ego involved. And and it's just a very pure conversation. It's a very pure experience. There's no, there's no. This this is just came to me. This is what comes down here. There is no perceived threat. Mm. You know, I don't. No part of me is, is looking at Dan as a threat in terms of this man will hurt me because he's so kind, he's so compassionate, he's so considerate. Uh, and he said he has an equal experience with me. So
0: that's when the, you know, and imagine the ego is like a, you know, a rabid dog, you know, trying to attack any perceived threat like you speak about. So like the dog can go and just sit in the corner of the room and have a sleep. So those defenses yeah. come down in those moments. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that perceived threat um, is a really good way of of people looking at it, I think.
1: Well, anxiety will perceive a threat, but fear will see a threat. So there's a there's a big difference in that um, there's a lot of work being done now and we're moving into the space of psychological safety in the workplace and whatnot. And and it's just that, and we've spoken about this before as well, it's just that if everyone keeps perceiving things to be a threat and it, it's just... It's there's so much self harm going on, but not with razor blades and pills and that sort of stuff. It's it's just people are not there's there's a a, a severe lack of self agency in in the current climate and and in society, um, and it's 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 causing untold damage. It's just it's it's really important that we get in there and work in in that area to hold people accountable the golden rule at Mindford is that you are responsible for your happiness and health then too many people are just outsourcing it
0: yeah so much and you know yeah, we talk a lot about the the physical self and the psychological self and you know fear is there to help protect the physical self and it's awesome you know if i'm crossing the road and i've got my headphones on and a car's coming at 50 k's and it smashes a loud horn my fear response will get me out of the way hopefully you know in a situation mm-hmm but you know most of the time all we're doing is trying to protect our psychological self and our body actually reacts the same as if our psychological self or physical self's under threat so you know if i'm walking down if i'm crossing that same street and people are coming the other way and i mistakenly think i'm they're saying my name and they're laughing at the same time then all of a sudden my eyes focus on them. I start to blur out the rest. I become very uh tunnel vision and I start to get panic within my system because someone might be talking about me and laughing. It's all these responses that are happening all the time. The workplace is actually a great magnifier uh for that because there's a lot of these dynamics school, going on. School,
1: so, uh, oh my god. Workplace workplace for adults and school for, for children. Well,
0: is, school, uh, you know, in the in the socialization phase. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to work out where we fit in. You know, so where you know do I fit in over with the jocks there, or with the geeks, or with the the goths, What's or that kind of thing? And and yeah, I'd rather fall in with a crowd um, that maybe doesn't feel like me and is destructive than be left out all by myself. Being ostracised yeah. is just so damaging for a, for a teenager. It's
1: it's, a, it's it's the ego in full flight trying to create its identity, um, and yeah, you know, and and the the black sheep or the odd ones are those that aren't trying to form an identity; they're just being. Uh, and they're seen by all these other egos all these other kids as a weirdo. there's so much judgment and criticism and condemning towards this beautiful uh, creature that's just in existence because they see it as a threat they're like you are so different you must be a threat to us Um, but with that psychological safety let's bring it back around to to Viktor Frankl's work people aren't being the executive decision maker they're not choosing how they feel in any given situation they're, they're not they're not finding meaning in what they're doing because they're living in this uh, I want to be loved and liked by everyone they're, they're, that's all they're in this they're in this very sad ego state or that ego dimension that you were talking about and and in that they're just trying to The ego is in the driver's seat. The ego is making all the decisions and choices. Yeah. It's the one that's going to go chase pleasure and do all that shit.
0: So I encourage listeners, if you're on a little actionable step, you know, take a (laughs) pen and paper out and write down an area of your life where you are experiencing some sort of suffering at the minute, some sort of challenge. And then start to write down, you know, what's the meaning of this? How can I grow from this situation? And start to ask yourself different questions because the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions we ask.
1: Ask a, oh, want a better answer? Ask a better question. Yeah. Um, So, but start with what would I prefer to be happening? What would I prefer to what would, I, what would I like to be different right now? Because you're going to very quickly start realizing that that's, that's your attachment there. And based
0: your, on listening to this episode, they'll probably get one or two lines in and go, yeah, yeah I get it. I get it. I could write a page, but I get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, A mantra I created for myself because I, I wasn't doing what I'm teaching people to do now. Um, uh, so in order to embody that within myself firstly a mantra i created was how how can i become a better person for having been through this experience so that puts me in a position where i get curious instead of it puts me in that space between stimulus and response and i'm like right where's the value in this it, it didn't feel very pleasant um but how can i grow where, where's the where's the opportunity here or that felt pleasant but still how can I become better for having been through here? Um, you know, was it was it pleasurable? And that this is this is the 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 difference between happiness. It's, the, it's like a people mistake pleasure as happiness, but it, it's sort of a a faux happiness. It's a it's a manufactured Bleating. happiness. Mm. Yeah, um, happiness is really content with with things just as they are. So. We've all got so much work to do. We, we all do have so much work to do. Get
0: your shit together, us and everyone.
1: Yeah, us and everyone.
0: <laughs> all right, hats off to Viktor Frankl for the life that you lived and the teachings that you've passed on. Like Nick said at the start, after great catastrophe, can we see these great uh, positive ripple effects happen in the world? And 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 he is definitely one of them. So a big thank you to to the master, Viktor Frankl.
1: And all the masters that we've spoken of and haven't spoken of, there are so many, you know, a, a lot of people go, the world's fucked, the world's terrible, the world's this, and because they're only focusing on all the doom and gloom. Sounds like a should.
0: bad attitude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You need an attitude readjustment, son. Yeah. Um, that's
0: what Victor Frankl would say.
1: <laughs> so shift your focus, shift your awareness, shift your attention away from the doom and gloom. And don't only shift it onto the wonderful, fluffy, lovely stuff, but, but have a have an over overarching perspective of things and and understand that it's all equal at the end of the day.
0: Beautiful, Nico. Thank you as always. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Shout out to Helsinki. What's up? Uh, we'll see you all next week. Peace. Out. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.